Welcome to the fourth episode of Redemption, a podcast series to save deposit return systems. Today, we look at the third of the 10 essential practices laid out in a guide to modern deposit return systems, 10 essential practices, which you can find at bottlebillreimagined.org. The third essential practice under the area of regulations is compliance and official reporting. Let me go right to the guide to see how this important practice is articulated. Compliance and official reporting by producers to government regulators guarantees progress can be measured and meaningful targets are met. Publicly communicating the activities and results of the program helps build and maintain consumer support, encouraging participation and driving higher rates of return. With our guest today, we explore how the adage, you cannot manage what you do not measure, makes all the difference when it comes to deposit return systems. Accountability is key to any program's success, and regular, robust, and transparent reporting in a DRS ensures that regulators can accurately measure and enforce how progress is being made, or not, against the meaningful targets we talked about in Practice 1. Let's find out together with our experts exactly how it works. I'm delighted to speak today with Clarissa Morawski, CEO and co-founder of Relu, who has perhaps thought more about the necessary ingredients for modern deposit return systems than anyone. Our listeners are so lucky to get your perspective, so let's get right to it. How have European countries and parts of Canada been able to build detailed reporting requirements into their deposit return system legislation? Um, it can't be easy to get agreement on these measures. Well, it's been an evolution, to be honest with you. In the very beginning, there was just a requirement to report how many units are sold, so the denominator, and how many units were redeemed. And that was just to prove that you were meeting performance targets. But over time, there's been more detailed reporting requirements asked for by governments because they want to make sure that there is responsibility taken after the containers are collected. So what we see typically, I think Canadian provinces are leading, is that there are provisions in the law that require that certain things to happen to certain containers. Uh, we're seeing things like uh, closed loop recycling. We're seeing more recycled content requirements and reporting on that. We're even seeing some desire to keep the material and support regional recycling where, for example, in the most recent Quebec law, it requires that a certain percentage be marketed to recyclers within the region of Quebec. And that is, again, requiring more detailed reporting. But ultimately, legislators are trying to get a much better understanding of where that material, not only how much is collected, but what's its final disposition. And certainly, a key part of this is traceability. And there's more and more of a desire to trace that final disposition of those containers. And if that traceability is occurring, then we can ask for more and more of that data to be reported into government so they can properly cover that program and make sure they know exactly what's going on. Things like what was the recycling rate? What was the collection rate? What were the losses? It also gives you a blueprint in terms of where are the inefficiencies in that entire chain? Are we collecting enough? Aren't we collecting enough? Or if we're not recycling, where are we losing? And then you can sort of do those micro corrections, recalibrations through the system because you're getting all this really useful data. 
you, you sometimes hear people talk about big data and what the exciting possibilities are with big data. So what I'm hearing you say is that as the systems became better performing, the reporting requirements that began as sort of crude, once people realized that you had that unit-specific tracking, well, then you can actually do a lot more, as you say, to understand the flow of material and then have, through a feedback mechanism, use that to further improve the system. Yeah, and that's even evolving even more with AI, where we're starting to see most of the RVM makers are starting to incorporate um, shape recognition where they can take a picture of it and then AI processes it. So now you can even get more big data, which not, not only tells you, you know, how much is on the market and roughly where it was collected and what kinds of regions and what, what kind of people are returning them from what locations. So there's, there's a lot in the data. And this AI piece is, of course, a key part of our future. And we're just starting to see it evolve. And if you don't require that that information be reported, you can't do any of that, right? And the public won't have any way to know. There's really very little accountability from a from a public standpoint for, for what's happening in the system. Uh, totally. And it's not only the public. I mean, businesses want to know. The businesses that are paying into the system, they want that assurance that the data they're getting is the right data. They know exactly what's going on in the program. And when you start to get into the detailed assessment of the big data, you can really pull out, like I said, those inefficiencies. Let me just give you an example. Um, Norway has an excellent system and they know exactly where they're failing. They know that it is the beverage brands that are consumed by mostly young people between the ages of 18 and 24. We're talking about like Red Bull and those kinds of beverages. So they've designed an entire advertising campaign, which is focused on that market to get those boys mainly to start redeeming their containers and getting to, to understand the importance of redeeming their containers. And if you ever go to the Norwegian system operator website and you look at some of their award-winning commercials, the vast majority are targeted to those problematic redeemers. And the only reason they know those are the problematic redeemers is because they have such an intense set of big data that shows exactly what's getting redeemed and what's not. Yeah, that's really an interesting example in terms of that following the thread, which obviously has a very practical purpose from both the system operator perspectives and, as you said, even from a, a marketing perspective as well. How do you see reporting and compliance operating in more modern deposit return systems? What does success look like? Well, what we typically see is an annual report that is published by the system operator or the government agency that's responsible that has pretty good detail in it. Not so much detail that it could potentially be a problem for individual producers because they would be worried that there may be confidential information in there, like sales specifically of brands. That's not what we look for. What we look for are rolled up numbers so we can see exactly how many beverages are sold in the market that is a country or a state or a province and how much of the different beverage containers were recovered and where they were sent for final disposition and what those final recycling rates look like. All of that is what we expect to be able to find very, very easily. When I say very easily, I mean, I should be able through a quick Google search or the global deposit book that is put out by Reloop has all of the links in there, but I should be able to very easily find an annual report for every year that system was in operation, and I should be able to see exactly how well that system performs. 
Sometimes we might even be able to see the financials. And that's in a case where you have the public somehow helping to finance the system, where it's not just producer pay. A good example is in Canada, where they've effectively externalized the producer costs and put it directly on the consumer in the form of a non-refundable fee. Well, in this case, we do need financial transparency because I, as a consumer, want to make sure that that fee I paid not the deposit, the fee that I didn't get back is being properly spent and I'm not being gouged effectively. So in Canada, you see a lot more financial reporting, but in places like Europe, where we have pure extended producer responsibility systems, where you have the producers running it, they are reporting obviously to the producers internally, like any private company would, but they're not reporting those financials outwardly. Although Usually, we do have the ability to see what producers are paying on a unit-by-unit basis as their fee. So you can you can run the numbers, but that's just because that's publicly available because there are so many producers and they need to make that publicly available. And why is public reporting on progress or lack of progress important to make deposit return systems more accountable? Well, public reporting is sort of common sense. Um, Compliance needs oversight. We have to make sure that if we want producers to properly introduce a program that is going to cost them, they're not going to cut costs to the point where they cut performance. So the public expects it since they are an active participant, um, they should be able, as I said, to see exactly how well that program is doing. Communicating uh, the activities and the results of the program helps build and maintain consumer support, it encourages participation, and it drives high return rates. It's all connected. One of the things that we found in previous research is that return rates are very much connected to public awareness. You know, if people don't know about the program, they don't know about the program. Sometimes the deposit can be quite high and they still might not know about the program. So that is very interconnected and knowing exactly how those programs perform year over year, being able to report back and saying, you know, we recovered this much aluminum, it's equal to this many elephants stacked up. You know, those kinds of things are very powerful. And unless you're publicly reporting, we can't have any sense of what those programs, how well they're performing. I would imagine that these various accountability measures really go a far way than mitigating fraud. How often is fraud talked about in in systems where, you know, 90% plus redemption rates are achieved and you have these very detailed reporting requirements and and penalties? Is is fraud very common? So fraud is not that common. When you talk to system operators, they'll tell you it's not a problem. And one of the reasons is that every single brand Every single container that's put on the marketplace is reported in. That barcode is part of a one central system that is either managed by the central system operator or if you've got a decentralized system like Germany, there's still a clearinghouse that is managing every single sale and making sure that when it gets redeemed, it's kind of canceled out and they're they're measuring it. There is very little fraud. Where there could be fraud, because you've got barcode scanning throughout the system, if there is fraudulent activity taking place somewhere in part of the country, the system operator will be alerted because they will see that abnormal activity is occurring. Like, oh my God, we've got like 150% return in that shop. What's going on? That's abnormal. And because it's all automated 
and it's not done by weight and it's not done by count. It's literally done by count and barcode or barcode and AI recognition. It's completely accurate. So even if there's somebody found an innovative way to, to, to cheat the system, they get picked up really, really quickly. So fraud is not a problem at all in Europe. Right. There's no way for sustained incidences of fraud to continue, as you're saying. No, not when your whole system is wired for finding fraud because fraud is expensive. Imagine a fraudulent activity in Germany that would cost over 25 cents a unit per unit. So those producers, they do not want to see any fraud, which is why we have a very comprehensive system tracking every single container. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Alexi Eisenberg, Director, France and Francophonie, Reloop Global. How will the public reporting on progress or what may turn out to be a lack of progress make the Quebec system more accountable? Help us understand the relationship between the accountability and the public reporting and enforcement. About the public reporting, every year uh, the producers will have to uh, report to the government through their uh, producer responsibility organization. Yeah, what they put on the market and what has been collected and what has been recycled. And uh, every year uh, this report will be analyzed by the government. And it's a continuous discussion between producers and the regulator. The objective is to continue to increase the performance of the system, show also to the public, which uh, participate in, which is key also in DRS, that this piece of public policy work. And there is results. And that's, that's the promise of DRS is to give results at a short term with a high performance. For, I think, an American audience, it's quite shocking to think that there would be this kind of data available to the public, that anyone would be able to access a registry to both see the number of containers, the beverages sold in a jurisdiction, and compare that with those collected. And, you know, of course, part of the, the reporting process is a verifiable number of what's collected, right? So it's a true calculation of recycling rate or recovery rate, a redemption rate, which is, again, it's verifiable. It's not just sort of trusting self-reported data on the recycling or redemption rate. Uh, so I think that's quite unique. And it's important, I think, our listeners kind of understand that. This is really, truly transparency in terms of system operations and the public, the same amount of access to it as the regulators. If if I can add something, it's also about uh, reporting. It's not about having every brand reporting. It's not by brands. It's just to understand the, the financial flow, to understand the material flow on plastics and aluminum, but it's not about uh, following each brand. And it's it's global. It's following a system globally. Yeah, that's a really important point because I think it's easy for a corporate interest to kind of cry that, oh, no, this is, you know, private sensitive information. I don't want my competitors to know but what are my beverage sales. But you made a really good point that for the purpose of the registry, it's aggregated and it, the private information is redacted. So the purpose is to, again, verify the flow of material and how it correlates with the flow of money, but but not sort of have a brand specific uh, tracking. So that's a really good point of clarification. 
thanks to all our listeners who are so committed to learning about modern deposit return systems and the environmental and economic benefits they bring to our communities. In this fourth episode of Redemption, we heard from Clarissa Morowski, CEO of Reloop International, and Alexei Eisenberg, Reloop's Director for France and Francophonie, who cited examples from countries in Europe and especially new DRS reforms in Canada's Quebec province that build in compliance and reporting requirements to understand and manage the flow of beverage containers as they make their way through the system. This helps minimize fraud and provide a feedback mechanism to further improve the system going forward. They made it clear that the adage of you can't manage what you don't measure certainly applies to deposit return systems. We hope you'll join us next week for the fifth episode of Redemption when we explore essential practice number four, oversight and enforcement. Because once you get a bottle bill passed and a system up and running, you need guardrails and careful monitoring to strike the right balance between the private sector's efficiency and innovation on the one hand while ensuring optimized social and environmental outcomes on the other. In the meantime, don't forget to visit bottlebillreimagined.org to download the guide or subscribe to our newsletter, Bottle Bill Common Ground. You can also leave a review on Redemption wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember, working together from a common ground of knowledge about these 10 essential practices for a modern deposit return system, we can move good bottle bills forward. <laughs>